Welcome to the Show Me the Data podcast by Leadsip, where every week we get marketing and sales leaders from fast-growing B2B tech companies to share specific tactics they use to drive revenue for their business. The best part, they share the exact metrics and data points behind each of their tactics. I'm your host, Tukhan Das, the co-founder and CEO of Leadsip. See you there. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Justin Berger. Justin's the director of demand gen at Kibo Commerce. Welcome to the show, Justin. Thanks for having me, Tukan. Awesome. So, so Justin, before we get started and dive into the topic, if you can tell us uh, a little bit more about Kibo Commerce, that'll be great. Sure. Uh, Kibo Commerce is a, a Vista private equity backed company, the product of a bunch of acquisitions, primarily in the retail space. We've got three products that we that we serve our customers. Uh, one is personalization through the, through the um, acquisitions of companies you may have heard of, Monetate and Sertona. So personalized web experiences that uh, drive higher conversions for our customers. Another is order management. So back end supply chain um, supply chain technology that helps uh, businesses efficiently provide their customers with the products they wanna they wanna see. And then lastly, e-commerce. So um, the back-end functioning of, of websites that allow customers to shop on retail sites. Got it. So I guess COVID must have been a great accelerator for, for the business. Yeah, for sure. There, there's definitely a few areas of the business that, that, can, that, that grew with some of the changes that came from COVID. A lot more e-commerce, right? A lot more exactly. people shopping online, including some companies who traditionally were doing a lot of their business in other ways, uh, in stores, shifting more and more to e-commerce. And even with our order management product, things things like buy online and pick up in store, curbside pickup, uh, rely on a good back-end supply chain infrastructure. So it's been you know areas that we've been able to help our customers really uh, really grow into these changes. So now let's dive into our topic for, for today's discussion, which is around how you guys double down, I should say triple down on, on outbound activities um, in, the, in the last 12 months. So the first question that I have, Justin, for you is, what, what was the trigger for you guys to say, you know what, we are really going to focus on outbound? Well, look, we, we, we look at our results and we know that while we can grow inbound, growth on inbound has a ceiling, right? It's limited to the number of accounts and prospects who are actively in cycle, actively looking for one of our uh, products. So we've known that as we contribute more from the marketing side of things, as our overall company goals get larger and the the slice of the pie that marketing signs up for is larger, um, what's really truly incremental is outbound. So opportunities that were not coming to present themselves where we were able to get in there, make a business case for ourselves and make those sales. So I would say, you know, we, we knew that most of our growth was going to have to come from outbound mm-hmm. and we were lucky to be in a business where our executive team saw some of our early results and placed faith in us um, and was willing to invest in our team. They saw that we had good results from our SDR team growing. They, we had good results from some of the lead programs um, and account-based programs that we were running and said, hey, let's, let's do more and, and, and continue to grow. Got it. And in terms of specific numbers, Justin, you guys had initially had a couple SDRs and you grew to what? Yeah. So in, in, in 2020, um, 
throughout most of the year, we had anywhere from two to four SDRs. And today we have 10 SDRs, hoping wow. to continue growing the team more. So again, it's, um, it's a place that to an unusual degree, we hear our CEO asking, how are the SDRs doing? How do we continue keeping them happy? How do we continue to grow that team? And that's because we've seen how impactful they can be to our, to our bottom line. Got it. So now let's talk about the specific tactics and activities that these SDRs are doing. Um, sure. At a high level, Justin, what are some of the activities are the SDRs doing? Sure. Well, um, I think there's probably two components. You could, you could sort of uh, group their work into two main components, right? Mm -hmm. One, I'd call prospecting. Mm -hmm. It's identifying the right accounts to work, uh, keep upkeeping the data at an account level that allows us to understand on a, in a clean way what we know about those accounts, finding the right contacts, good phone numbers at those accounts. And the other portion is, is the execution, right? So when we think of the actual execution, the actual uh, smiling and dialing, it's um, probably about 50% phone calls, probably about 30% email. Uh, and about 20% LinkedIn where, where they're doing their outreach and getting in front of our prospects. Got it. And are your SDRs fully outbound, Justin, or is it a mix of outbound and inbound, meaning like are they also taking the inbound leads that are coming in, prioritizing them and following up? Yeah, it's a great question, Tukan. Um, the way we work it today is our brand new SDRs. We tend to, we tend to have them working inbounds almost as a way to get into some batting practice get some real life examples. Um, and as our SDRs sort of graduate and are ready to take on more, we dedicate them fully to outbound. Got it. Got it. Cool. So now you mentioned you broke up, broke down the outbound activities into two things. One is the prospecting piece, making sure the data is yeah. clean, the right accounts are identified. And then the other is uh, the actual prospecting. How are accounts identified? How are then contacts identified? What does that process look like? Yeah. So we've got, um, we've got each of our SDRs has a territory of accounts that already exist in the system. And within their territories, we've got almost like a tiering structure where we'll look to prioritize certain types of accounts. Not all accounts are made equal, right? So we, are, we have a marketing qualified account system, mm -hmm. sort of similar to the traditional marketing qualified lead system, but applied at an account level. Sure. We've got a few different sources of intent that we use to identify that we suspect an account may be in market for one of our products, may be in market specifically for one of Kibo's products, could be a competitor, mm -hmm. could be them poking around on our website. There's a number of different ways we identify that. When we find those, if we find that somebody um, comes from an account that's well qualified, we mark those as a marketing qualified account and the level and concentration of efforts and the level of personalization we, we apply to those efforts uh, is much higher because we know the likelihood that they're going to convert and ultimately take our meeting and, and become revenue is, is much, much higher. So that's sort of the highest tier that has the highest level of effort. Um, those are the ones where we're likely to have the highest concentration of phone calls versus other, you know, using something like email that's a little bit more scalable, but less personalized. Mm -hmm. um, you asked about where we get our data. We've got a bunch of tools that, that we kind of cobble together. The SDRs like some of them better than other. Mm -hmm. And what I've found is when it comes to when it comes to prospect data and the capability to add records, there's some tools that are really good at scale, right? Mm -hmm. Here's here's lots of contacts at your account. Yeah. And then there's other tools that are really good at, at quality and finding the right 
uh, mm -hmm. the right titles. And I think both have their place. So we try to balance both of those things with one another. So those, those marketing qualified accounts, definitely the highest tier where we'll spend the most concentration finding the right mm -hmm. prospects, uh, most time picking up the phone, most time crafting really, really uh, personalized messaging. Now we have sort of a middle tier, which are the accounts that um, may not have shown intent yet, but look a lot like our best customers come from the right verticals, uh, have some of the right demographic features that make sense for us. Yeah. We prioritize those, you know, uh, with, with touches a little bit more scale than what we see on those marketing qualified accounts, use of dynamic messaging, that sort of stuff. Um, certainly picking up the phone, but not as many times as we would on those accounts where we know there's intent and a likelihood to convert. And then we've got a third bucket, which are qualified accounts who maybe have not shown intent, maybe have one or two of those features of our best fit customers, but not our, not necessarily the ideal sweet spot where we always seem to win. And those we've got on sort of a longer tail cadence, more of a scaled approach, more of a keep them warm, keep them nurtured, mm -hmm. um, sort of shake the tree and see what falls down kind of method. So, so, you know, with each, with, as we go down that, um, that pyramid of, 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 of accounts, it's, you know, different levels of concentration that are applied to, to each uh, segment. Very interesting. Justin, one follow-up question is when you say you, you, you define these MQAs, uh, marketing yeah. qualified accounts, are you using some kind of an internal scoring system within your marketing automation or is it purely a function of, uh, an intent score that you saw on something and how good of a fit is it? Yeah. So there's, we sort of separate the two pieces of that to okay. God. We've got our demographic fit and we've yep. got our intent. So we've got an internal system to identify uh, internal fit based purely on demographic, demographic values. So things like revenue size, vertical, mm -hmm. web traffic for us is a yeah. really big one. Yeah. Um, GMV, gross merchandise value on a, on a company's website is another big one for us. So that's what allows us to identify uh, the demographic fit. And then we layer on intent. So we use uh, demand base for mm -hmm. account-based marketing. Mm -hmm. That allows us to identify anonymous visitors to the website based on what account they're coming from. Yep. So we may see that um, certain accounts are coming to our website and poking around specifically for personalization. And maybe specifically, they're most interested in testing and segmentation, which is sort of a subset of that product. Mm -hmm. Then, then we have a really good indication of what messaging is going to be most likely to resonate as we reach out to them. We also use uh, G two for intent. Mm -hmm. So G two, similarly, we're we're able to see account level intent mm -hmm. both in our product categories, uh, our individual products, yeah. as well as competitors, right? And you yeah. can imagine in the same way, based on what an account is actually poking around yeah. on. We can um, we can cater the messaging and the follow up to really be well fit to what they care about. Got it. Got it. And who is doing this scoring thing? Is the SDR responsible for it, or someone in a like a marketing ops role is just making sure all the data is ingested, prioritized, and just saved in a system? It's the latter. It's mm. the latter, Tukan. So it. we want to um, we want to have the SDRs doing what they do best, right? Finding the right contacts, craft, you know, crafting good messages that, that are well aligned to what, uh, what we know about somebody um, and prospecting, getting on the phone, sending out emails. So we, we are doing the selection of those marketing qualified accounts as a marketing ops exercise. Yeah. 
I'd say the the state it's in today is is a lot more mature than it was a couple of months ago. Sure. It's still not completely snap of the fingers automated, right? There yeah. is some there is some massaging and spreadsheets. There is some some human human hands applied to it. Makes makes sense. With regards to the tier one accounts that you know you really want to personalize, can you tell us a little bit, Justin, about what level of personalization goes in? How many touch points happen? Mm-hmm. Can you talk us through that? Sure. So we we place those types of accounts on a sequence that has the highest amount of touches of any of the mm-hmm. uh, accounts we go after. We will go after those accounts with two to three touches for the first five or six weeks that we're going after them. So it's um, a pretty concentrated effort. In terms of the level of personalization, um, we've got increasingly, we're prepared for some of the things that are the most likely suspects of where people are engaging. So we've got sequences already built out that are that are topical based on the, the highest areas of intent we seem to we seem to get. Mm-hmm. So we're prepared for the for the you know the bigger the bigger categories of things that people care about with messaging that resonates there. We rely, you know, we use outreach. Um, mm-hmm. We rely on outreach dynamic messaging to apply another level of personalization there. So you know we've got we've got a fair amount of personalization with some automation applied to it. So it's, mm-hmm. you know, it is not literally an SDR typing up each message that we send to each individual on a one-off mm-hmm. basis. There's a little more scale applied there, but to the recipient, it feels mm-hmm. really well personalized, mm-hmm. right? We're talking about specific things we know about their account because we're using those dynamic values. We're yeah. talking about a specific challenge that we already know they have based on some yeah. of the intent signals we've got. So we've kind of got a good balance of something that we can do with a little bit of scale, but the recipient really feels like they're receiving something that's really tailor-made to them. Understood. One question I have is from a marketing qualified account that is based on demographic fit and, and, and intent from G2 or, or demand base you mentioned, mm-hmm. how do you go from an account to a contact? Like how do the SDR know that Gap yeah. was showing intent around web personalization or e-commerce who sh- within Gap should you reach out to? Sure. Well, we know we know our customer. We know our ICPs, right? We know True. who our personas are. So when we see a retail brand that's looking at personalization, we know it's marketing directors, e-commerce directors. Uh, we know it's people interested in user experience. Mm. So we've got our standard, you know, job titles that we think are most important, and we can mm. use our data tools to find those people, right? So we're using. Uh, LinkedIn Sales Navigator. We're using um, Zoom Info. We're using um, Seamless AI. We have quite a few tools. Again, some of them yeah. better at different things than one another, and we'll layer totally. those on top of one another. So, if we know that Company X is is um, is looking at a specific product, we also know the persona at mm-hmm. those accounts that are yeah. most likely to be doing that research. Yeah, and you know, you know as well as I do that um, that these sort of searches for uh, software are not done in a silo, right? If no. we can reach a bunch of people with a similar profile, yeah. it's likely that a lot of yeah. them are actually yeah. involved in that, yeah. in that um, search for a tool. Yeah. On an average, how many people do you reach out to within an account? Justin? So it depends on the account um, and the size of the account, but I'd say probably five to 20. Five um, to 20. And so you mentioned gap, right? Yeah. Um, when, when you look at bigger accounts that yeah. have, you know, hundreds of thousands of employees. Yeah. Yeah. That signal of intent is wonderful because ultimately the contract value 
value is going to be really big. Yeah. But you could also imagine it's a little bit more challenging in that case because there are so many people who might fit the right persona. Totally. So I would say sometimes it's almost a little simpler to capture an intent for a smaller account and convert that. Um, where it's a larger account, we might need to source more contacts than we typically yeah. would. We yeah. might need to do a little more research. We might need to put them on a longer cadence because there's just so many different people, right? If you see if you see somebody at the Gap is doing research, well, yeah. it's quite a few people who it might be, right? Before yeah. you get to the right person. Yeah, yeah, understood. Now, this is the best part of the of the show for me is is talking look about the data. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the metrics uh, that you are tracking for, for your SDRs? Yeah. So ultimately, um, our SDR team and our marketing organization is, um, is, is driving pipeline. That's our As ultimate they metric. Yeah. Yeah. That's our ultimate metric that we're, we're grading ourselves against. But we've got a sales cycle, right? So the time, the time to pipeline is not immediate. So we mm-hmm. certainly have a lot of leading indicators that lead up to there. Yeah. Um, so, you know, working back from pipeline, our SDRs are primarily, are primarily measured on qualified completed meetings, which is our way of identifying something that is a really good indicator that pipeline is forthcoming while yeah. also allowing them to concentrate at the top of the funnel and not get too hung up on deals that are existing, right? We need them to continue doing their hunting. And then from there, we've got, you know, we've got a lot of leading indicator metrics in terms of the activities, the number of activities, the quality of activities, Mm -hmm. the performance of those activities, the mix of the different uh, channels, right? We talked before about email and phone and LinkedIn, and we see each of those as having their own unique spot in our prospecting. So there's quite a, there's quite a lot of measurement. Ultimately it's pipeline. The SDRs would tell you, Hey, what I'm most, what I'm most uh, interested in is the number of qualified SAT meetings, Yeah. but there's a lot of different ways we can slice that and, and sort of look into the future of, okay, because this week we've got a really good set of activities against a really set, really well-qualified set of accounts. Uh, and for instance, we're seeing really high engagement from those accounts as we as we prospect against them. We know that we've got a lot of forthcoming meetings that are going to come out of this. Absolutely. Of so as an SDR, do you have sort of an average number of meetings, qualified meetings set per week for them? Like what would be a good number on a weekly or a monthly basis? Yeah. So we are we are looking for our SDRs to have 10 meetings per month, of okay. which seven of them are qualified status. Got it. And, and these are meetings that these people show up to. Like meetings, That's correct. Meetings kept. And to get 10 meetings, <clears throat> Justin, per SDR, what's the, what's the activity that they need to yeah. do? Yeah, typically, well, first off, it takes repeated touches to get any one account to convert. It's very unusual for an account to reply the first time we pick up the phone or the first time we write them an email. Yeah. It's typically... Um, you know, the SDRs get their spidey senses up. They'll, they'll tell us, hey, these are the set of accounts who are engaging with what I'm sharing with them. And therefore, I think they're going to fall in the next several weeks. So there's a, there's a large number of activities. And it's also, you know, given that, we know that the, the opportunities an SDR gets comped for this month are likely to be based on work that they were doing last month, right? So, totally. Um, they're, they're, um, they're seeing those convert typically probably six, eight, even 10 touches into their sequences before somebody says, yes, I'm ready for a meeting. So from an activity tracking perspective, 
Justin, do yeah. you guys have a number that SDR needs to hit on a monthly basis? Like how many? Yeah, touches? that's something we're still working on. Mm -hmm. I mean, ultimately, I, the way that we really see the activities is early on as an SDR is ramping up. We'll look really closely at activities and we've got guideposts of what we expect them to be doing in terms of number of activities. Once an SDR is ramped and they're reaching their quota, um, we have SDRs who do it with a different mix of activities, right? We have some, we have some SDRs who have a much lower number of activities, mm. but they spend a lot of time really personalizing and crafting what they, yeah. what they share. Um, we have other SDRs who do it in more of a scaled way. Yeah. Um, within certain parameters, we're okay with having a mix of different types of, of folks on the team who, who achieve that goal in different ways. Yeah. Um, so those activity goals are really good for coaching in the early days as an SDR is productive, as an SDR is reaching their quota, you know, there's a little bit of wiggle room for, for how those activities play out. Understood. And each SDR, Justin, how many accounts do they own in a, in a month? Yeah, so they own probably about a thousand accounts each. Okay. And then within those accounts, the portion of that marketing qualified account segment, those those accounts showing intent, yep. that's completely dynamic, right? Yes, on any given absolutely. week. Yeah. Um, on any given week, we're identifying a handful more of them. We used to do that in a different way, right? We used to launch sort of our quarterly ABM program where we'd identify our set of accounts to go after. And it's actually much less efficient that way. Yep. Because you can imagine it's um, a lot simpler for us to go to our SDRs and say, here's the 20 accounts in your territory who showed intent this week. Yeah. Go out and source the right data against yeah. those accounts and then push them into some of your sequences. Then it is for us to say, you know, here's your 200 accounts. Let's source contacts against all of them, right? So that more dynamic way is allowing us to be more nimble. And it also converts better because it's really triggered based on the activity. Totally. So would you say, Justin, that you have a super predictable SDR or like an outbound funnel built out, meaning you say, hey, if I add two more SDRs, they're going to book these many meetings and I know these many meetings will convert into pipeline and revenue. Do you have that you sound, funnel? You sound like our executive team and our board. <laughs> um, yeah, we do. We do, right? And nice. then we're always, we're always accounting for some things that are different based on... Um, products right we've got we've got different funnels and expectations True. for our different products but yes we do have a pretty good understanding of you know where our next dollar would go kind of thing that's awesome and that's why i guess you can justify adding more sdrs because you you know that process like it's a machine that's right very good uh, one question i have for you justin is what in in your experience scaling up the sdr team what is something that that you think is the biggest contributor to the success of the SDR function or, or, or like this outbound function at your organization? Yeah. Well, well, some of it has to do with our recruiting, right? And we've got a great HR team and mm -hmm. a great SDR manager who, who manages those guys day to day who, who are helping to identify the right things. Um, we have a pretty rigorous upfront evaluation for how we find the right talent for our SDRs. The other is training. Training is really crucial. Again, our, our SDR manager, Chris Nix, he's, he's really great at getting people on board and getting them really quickly uh, producing for us. Mm -hmm. So the training, the, the, the hiring process, increasingly we're finding that we can do more and more uh, from like a marketing operations standpoint also to optimize the day and the life of the SDR. Um, 
we're we're kind of not perfect yet but if you looked at us a few months ago we were kind of pointing to too many different salesforce reports and say here find your leads here here and here the more prescriptive we can get both in terms of where to find which accounts to prioritize and also in creating some sort of marketing blessed sequences that go against those accounts the more our SDRs can spend time on finding the right contacts and, and dialing. What do you mean marketing blessed sequences? So marketing also runs some nurture programs? So we, we help to create some of the messaging that our SDRs are using. Got it. So, um, and a lot of it, a lot of it, Tukan, it starts with um, stuff that they've created mm. where we might go in and say, hey, that looks great. You totally understand the pain point this audience is receiving. But hey, from a marketing perspective, could we could we adjust the subject line to get more eyeballs on it? That totally. sort of thing. So we're really working in close conjunction with the SDRs to, to find stuff that's going to be performative. Got it. My final question, Justin, is this a very, very tactical question. And I think we posted this on, on or I saw this on LinkedIn, where sure. it said when, you're, when an SDR is reaching out, is it better, at least from an email perspective, is it better to have a new subject line for every email or thread them? Uh, well, I think you can do a combination. I mm -hmm. think you can thread them maybe once or twice, um, but I would lean more towards unique subject lines. I, uh, you know, I came up through email marketing, so <laughs> I'm a really big subject line guy. Yeah, I would probably rather see more unique subject lines, things that are short, snappy, compelling. Yeah. Um, tease at a concept without giving the whole thing away. Yeah. Um, right. You read about subject lines where, where people say the only job of the subject line is to get somebody to open okay. and read the next line. Right. We don't so have true. to, we don't have to tell the whole story there. So yeah, I lean more towards unique uh, subject lines and the better you can segment your audience and craft those subject lines to something that we know about that audience, we know is going to be compelling to them. That's sort of, that's sort of the sweet spot. That's Nirvana. Got it. Cool. Well, this was fascinating. Outbound emailing and outbound processes is a topic near and dear to my heart. So thank you so much, Justin, for sharing all the insights. This was, this was phenomenal. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Tukana. It was a blast.